0: This is Infertile Millennial, a podcast where we chat all things infertility, IVF, and surviving your fertility journey. I'm Emily Orlando, reminding you that you're not alone. Let's chat fertility. Welcome back to another episode of Infertile Millennial. Today, we have an exciting episode with our special guest, Kelly, who's been on her fertility journey since 2015. Kelly's story is inspiring and also a really good example of the ups and downs that IVF and infertility can bring. Today, Kelly decided to join the Brave Babes Club and share her intimate story with all of you. If you're interested in being on a future episode of Infertile Millennial and sharing your story with infertility, fertility treatments, or pregnancy loss, you can email me at emily at infertilemillennial.com. Also, don't forget to follow my personal Instagram, that's at emily. Emily Orlando, it's E-M-I-L-Y-Y Orlando, like Florida, and our brand page at Infertile Millennial. There, we often have story options for you to ask questions for future podcast episodes. And today, Kelly is going to be answering some of the questions that you guys have left me. So again, if you want to be a part of future podcast episodes, you can email me at emily at infertilemillennial.com and make sure to follow my Instagram accounts at Emily Orlando E M I L Y Y Orlando like Florida and our brand page Infertile Millennial to get included on asking questions for future podcast episodes. Without any further ado, let's welcome Kelly. All right, so I have Kelly here with me today, and she is going to be sharing her IVF journey with us, her fertility journey, and um, a little bit about pregnancy loss and all of that. So Kelly, first of all, I just wanna tell you thank you for coming on the podcast. It's really brave of you to want to open up and share such an intimate part of your life. Um, So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about you and your husband. When did you guys get married? Sure. Yeah. So I met my husband in 2013. Um,
1: We knew pretty quickly that we liked each other a lot. Things were moving along fairly quick. We ended up getting married in 2015. So September of 2015. And I remember when he gave me the engagement ring, I swear to you, I said, before I said yes, I said, does this mean we can have babies now? That was like the first thing out of my mouth. So Fast forward now, obviously that's been a little bit of a challenge, but in 2015, so in September of 2015, we decided about a month before the wedding that I would stop birth control because we knew that some for some people that can take time for their bodies to adjust. So I stopped birth control in about August of 2015, and um, it was challenging for us to go through this or still is challenging for us to go through this infertility journey because we live rural, like we live super rural. So it's really challenging for us to get to doctor's appointments and to get to clinics, etc. So mm-hmm. we started trying for, uh, or we started start getting assistance, I would say about a year and a half in, we knew something obviously wasn't up, um, but it took us a really long time to get a lot of the testing done because we had to drive, the closest place for us to get testing done was two hours away and most most well, the one clinic I have where I live was four and a half hour drive, so it was oh, wow. really, really challenging. Yeah, very challenging for us to get all the testing done. So, yeah, we started trying in September of 2015. So, we've had one pregnancy in that period of time, but no live births. Um, so, it's been definitely a challenging five and a half ish years. But I've learned
0: a lot about myself, my mm-hmm. marriage.
1: Et cetera, over the years, I can tell you that
0: much. Oh yeah, definitely. I feel like I get asked all the time, like, how has infertility taken a toll on your marriage? And it's like, you, I feel like you really truly learn a lot more about your partner going through all of that than ever before it's sad
1: though because it can definitely either make or break right it's mm-hmm. like there's no for me there's no real in between it either makes you that much stronger or it tears you apart and you do have a choice in that mm-hmm. it's just i've learned we need to communicate more we need to talk about our emotions more although i think that's more me that does the talking but hey it makes <laughs> me feel worse, so
0: yeah i couldn't agree with you more that's exactly what i would say is like communication talking about emotions for sure Exactly. So you started right from the get go. You wanted to start trying. Um, Was there anything that happened that made you? Was it just that it was taking longer than expected? Or was there anything that made you start thinking something was wrong? Or was it just time? I think just time. I think like when we started trying how I'm I'm terrible at math, I'm going to say I was
1: like 27 ish years old, 28 years old. So I wasn't super duper young, but I also wasn't at an age where I felt like it was concerning yet. Mm-hmm. So I would say, yeah, about after the year, I was like, mm, okay, something's up. But I never really imagined that like I would be where I am now and still not have children. So yeah. I think that's the most challenging thing looking back is like, I wish I could have told myself then what mm-hmm. I know now, saying like, be prepared, you'll be good, be strong. Like, so yeah, it was just the time of like, okay, when, when you, supposedly when you get to about a year of trying and it hasn't happened naturally, that's when you're supposed to seek help. And yeah, that. so,
0: and I'm glad we did because yeah, um, here we are. I think that's about what we did too. But I think there was just something in my heart because we were, we were 2021. And it wasn't happening. And so I was like, how in the world? So I think I started having a feeling, but it wasn't, we honestly didn't do anything until just over a year as well, because I was like, maybe I'm just being, you know, over emotional about it. I want it so bad, but yeah. Um, So what testing did you have done before moving forward with fertility treatments?
1: So... Looking back, I, ha- I wish a little bit that we had gotten more testing done, and I'll explain why. But for me personally, they did tons of blood work for like hormones, thyroid. Um, I guess when I say tons, that's not fair because they're doing even more now going through fertility treatments to even test like... Oh gosh, I don't even know how to say a lot of the words, but like certain things with the way that your blood clots and certain like crazy things now. But when I first started, it was, yeah, hormonal stuff. So testing my day three, I guess it'd be LH, FSH, um, whatever else they test day three, day 21 progesterone. They confirmed that I was ovulating. It was a lower number, so they weren't concerned, but they did say it was a little bit on the lower side. And then I had the not so fun HSG test. So that's the uterine oh. diet test. Mm-hmm. So um, that one showed my tubes were all clear, all was good there. So I was happy with that. And I'd actually heard that I don't want to say it's common, but it happens where people actually get pregnant after that test because it clears yeah.
0: everything out, cleans all. I actually out. know someone who did recently. <laughs> me too. And yeah. I was like, what happened to me? And I, I know. I'm,
1: they got married actually the month before my husband and I did. So you know what? I'm so excited for them it is amazing but I'm like dang why couldn't that have happened Mm -hmm. for me but but yeah so I got the HSG test and after that I was like holy moly this was crazy I don't know if I can like continue this but like for those who've had it it's not comfortable for those who haven't had it it's definitely worth it it takes like 10 seconds to do and it just makes sure that your tubes are open so I got that done and then my husband got his sperm test done but they never did any blood work for him. And I think, and that's what I mentioned at the beginning where I wish I would have kind of pushed more for that. They did not test any testosterone, his vitamin D, like they never really tested anything for him, which in hindsight, it might not be that valuable, but I do wish that we did a little bit more investigation at that point. So after that, um, they'd said his sample was good. Everything looked good and I'm air quoting, everything looked good for both of us. So then, we decided to try a couple IUIs before we moved to IVF. But again, because of the location for the clinic, for us, mm-hmm. to do an IUI was like nine hours of driving. So we only did yeah. two. It was just, it was too much, uh, too far. Um, and they just didn't know why it wasn't happening. If, if happening, if they would have said IUI is a definite, it's going to happen, we probably would have done the nine-hour drive many times. Mm-hmm. But they more or less said, we don't know why it's not happening we recommend IVF. And it was like, then we're not going to do any more of these. Cause that's a lot of driving for us to have a small possibility of it happening.
0: Yeah, no, I totally feel you. We don't, we're not as far away from our clinic, but it is about an hour and a half. And even, even that is like, okay, this is a whole, you know, day. Our hour and a half drive is only twice. Cause I have to do it for the transfer and for the hysteroscopy. The other one's a little closer. So it is but I feel you, the driving is really, uh, even that takes a toll on the whole thing. 100%. Yeah, so when when did you decide to do IVF? So our first round was in May of 2019
1: then. So we had been trying for quite a quite a few years at that point in time. So what, that's four years and a little bit, I think, or is my math wrong, what did I say we started? No, not quite four years, so three and a half, sorry. So, yeah, our first round was in May 2019, and I remember going to, so originally we got referred to the um, OBGYN or gynecologist or whatever, but um, I remember him saying to us, like, you're great candidates for IVF, and I laughed at him only because my biggest fear in life is needles. Like, I've passed out. Biggest fear in life. So I pretty much was like, there's no chance you would ever catch me doing that so may 20 2019 comes around and i looked at my husband i was like well guess you're doing the needles for me and each time we did them i'd lay on the bed i'd scream into a pillow i would like hyperventilate but you know what it was so worth it because of what the outcome was that i wanted so yeah may 2019 was our first cycle and it didn't go great um we had learned the hard way that the only eggs that were going to fertilize was through icsi so they had done half icsi half ivf so ultimately that means they've Force fertilized half, they tried to let the other half just do their own thing. The ones that they tried to let do their own thing, so through the IVF, none of them fertilized. So thank goodness that the clinic we went to said we typically do half and half. Um, because, yeah, we would have left that cycle absolutely defeated. We were already defeated after it, but it just would have been a lot different. So we had one decent embryo out of that. They did transfer that embryo. It was the first ever positive pregnancy test I'd ever seen. So it was a pretty dang exciting day. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very short lived though. So my first um, beta test came back like super duper low. It was like. 25 or i I don't even remember what it was but it was really low they kept sending me back i kept doubling like it's supposed to i got up to 400 and some and then i started bleeding and i was like "Ooh, this
0: isn't a great sign how exact what exactly happened at the end i know you said that you started bleeding but they did were they not able to catch that it was gonna you were gonna lose it or was it just randomly one day you just started bleeding i kind of i i hate that
1: in like the infertility world or, or a lot of things of pregnancy you kind of blame yourself for things so my number was really good I was feeling great um we live rural on a farm my husband one day was going out to check cows jumped on the quad and I went out on the quad and it was super duper bumpy so like in hindsight I'm like oh my god that caused it I wish I wouldn't have done that I know it's not the case but you know that piece of you always and yeah worries and stresses so no my the number came back good they I was 400 and something they had sent me the email saying yay you're pregnant this is your due date this is what the next steps are and they kind of told me what to do next, and I started working on some of those things, and then just one day I was laying in bed at night and thought, hmm this is not, this doesn't feel right. Like something's oh, yeah. not good." And then, yeah, I I passed the embryo, I believe, in the morning. So I, oh, wow. I, yeah, I I I felt it coming. I knew what was going on. My body just wasn't it it knew something was up like I said it just it knew something yeah. was up so I have to trust the fact that my body knew and as hard as that is to swallow sometimes it's just we have to have grace with our bodies and ourselves and knowing that it knows best and it it did what was right for for our bodies and for the the embryo
0: I agree I think having a lot of grace and being gentle with your body is key because I I was very hard on mine and it is, we have to remember, like, there's nothing we could have done to prevent it. And I try to reiterate that to everyone out there who's going through pregnancy loss or miscarriage, no matter if you did fertility treatments to get there, it's so easy to blame yourself. It's so important to not do that because it's not your fault. No, and I, I,
1: I've gotten better over the years at like my first two years were the hardest those were the ones where I was like blaming myself for it I was like why isn't this happening I suck why am I failing like the first two years were really really hard and then I think I came to realize like that's not going to help me get pregnant no yeah not helping the situation out so I flipped I flipped this switch a little bit it took a little bit of time it wasn't just that easy but of understanding that I need to respect my body myself I need to also one thing even being on the podcast be vulnerable with people and explain to them what I'm going through because that makes it that makes me feel better as well it's it's like this like therapy thing where you get to talk and explain what you're going through and so yeah it it took a while to understand that I had to have grace for like with myself but it it definitely it teaches you so much when you learn to respect your body and respect just time and what's going on with you and everything like Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot and I'm appreciative of what I've learned but would I trade it? Heck yeah! But yeah, I've <laughs> <it> a lot.
0: <laughs> what advice would you give to someone? It's kind of basically what you were just saying, but um, what advice would you give to someone who went through IVF only to have it end in miscarriage? Yeah, I
1: think it goes back to probably the G word, the grace word. I know that it's such a it's such a hard situation to go through. Just IVF on its own is a beast and a Mm -hmm. challenge let alone now adding into the mix um, a miscarriage and I know that for me they called it a chemical pregnancy and I I don't really like that that term because to me that's kind of like almost saying like it wasn't a baby you know what I mean like it's like it was it was just more a medical thing than anything and you know I'm mine was a miscarriage it was five weeks one day It was meant to be a baby and it wasn't a baby. So I definitely, I definitely use the G word. So have grace with yourself. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned, and this is just through infertility in general, but I think it really relates to miscarriage is taking the time to do the things that you need to do. So if you can't go to work or if you don't want to go to a friend's birthday, or if you don't want, or if you want to delete someone on Facebook or like you have to take care of yourself first Mm -hmm. before you worry about everything else going on around you. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't understand when I do it to them. And I get it. They don't understand what it's like to go through infertility. They don't understand how hard it is to see certain things on Facebook. So not only just through miscarriage, but I think also through this infertility journey, we have to do what we feel is best for ourselves. And that's not selfish at all. And I think that took me some time to appreciate and understand that I'm not being selfish.
0: Yep, hundred percent agree with you. It took me a really long time to even think that that was something I had to do. It, honestly, it probably wasn't until the end of last year that I realized like how important putting yourself first is. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, these next treatments we do, I'll have a different outlook. <laughs> but it's so it's so much more helpful. So how? So you said right away, uh, you start another treatment. How soon after? that miscarriage did you jump into another so
1: I had to do three months of DHEA before we did our second round so it was pretty quick after so let's see so if we would have done that round in September so I would have started in like June ish okay so I would have started right away so they must have had me on DHEA almost immediately after the miscarriage because I like I was in this like I don't want to say a hi but I was like oh my god it can work this is amazing Mm -hmm. like I'm feeling it like I was just I was like ramped up on adrenaline as crazy as that sounds going through IVF like but it was like this excitement of I got a positive pregnancy test. And holy crap, this can work. This can happen. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure they put me on the DHEA right away. But they did tell me that I had to be on it for three months prior to. So if they hadn't put me on DHEA, I can guarantee you I would have been like, okay, when can I when can I come next? Like, So the DHEA kind of got me to slow down even a little bit more, which is good. Because I'm a very type A, anxious type person that it's almost like I needed them to force me to just like, take a step back and just chill
0: out for a sec. So for, for those who don't know, can you explain what DHEA is? Yeah, I actually don't even really know, which is kind of bad because they were like, okay. hey, you should take a DHEA.
1: And I was like, hey, cool, great. I'll take it. Essentially, my understanding is that it helps with egg quality. So they had more or less said that because Our embryos, so during our two cycles, the embryos would fertilize. So again, only the ICSI ones, which is the forced fertilization, but they would all stop growing. So essentially they say they were resting and they attributed that to egg quality. Now, the sucky thing with that is there's really not great testing or even, I don't even know if there is testing to test egg quality. So they told me it was egg quality. So the concept was I would take DHA for three months and they were hoping that that would help improve my egg quality, but it did not do anything. So no, I'm not super familiar with the drug, which I probably should be considering (laughs) I took it for three months, but I feel like through this journey, and that's something I've also gotten better in certain aspects is like a lot of the drugs and things we take, I don't really know what they are. I just take them. Mm -hmm. Like I I need to be better at understanding what is this going to do to my body? What's it going to do after I've done take? like after I'm done taking it, what's the long term effects? Like, I didn't do enough research around that but that's a big
0: that's a big undertaking cuz there's a lot of different drugs we take at high dosages and mm-hmm. lots lots going on. I feel like when you're doing IVF you just kind of you do whatever they say cuz they're the professionals and they know what they're talking about and you kind of just you don't ask questions, you just go forward with it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, you're exactly
0: exactly right. During your second round, was it just it just didn't take or what what ended up happening?
1: Yeah, so the second round, um, it was quite devastating when the lab called and said, like, your embryos are kind of doing the same thing. They're arresting again. And it was like, how is that possible? Like, literally, we just did again, the three months of DHA. How is that possible? And they kept saying, well, there's one decent embryo. I'm like, okay, same thing as last time, but that's okay. Maybe it's just even better quality than last time. And the embryos that were growing in both the cycles they were okay they didn't rate them great they were okay um so we had the one embryo to transfer and i never got a positive test at all so obviously the dhea i don't i don't want to say it made things worse but it definitely did not it wasn't the piece of the puzzle we needed um so i ended up doing a consult with a different clinic not because i didn't love my clinic i just thought you know if we're gonna do a third round i want i want another opinion. And there were a few things that they said that I was pretty excited about. It felt different. It felt like they were going to try a few different things because we're going into our third round saying, this is our last, like, if this doesn't work, this is our last try. So it's, it's kind of that go big or go home mentality. Like I'm going to do what they say I need to be doing. I've changed my diet, which is something they don't really, and when I say they, it's um, like, I'm going to call it mainstream medicine or like your doctors at a fertility clinic are going to say. These are the drugs you're going to take. This is what's going to happen. Whereas I've stepped back a little bit further and said, okay, well, what, what does my body need? What, what internally do I need to do or can I help? In order to make this more successful so I've kind of worked on my diet as well which has been challenging because I like sweets and I like carbs so it's been been an uphill battle who doesn't I know I know know. especially Easter just happened oh gosh all the chocolate chocolate. (laughs) but but again it's that long-term do I want to be a mom yes I do okay what do I need to do to make that happen
0: I need to do xyz I also wanted to touch on this subject is a lot of people don't understand that a failed IVF round feels also like a grieving process. I don't know if you felt the same way after yours. I actually didn't realize that I was grieving after my failed transfer. And then I moved right into my second. And then I actually didn't grieve my failed transfer until after I grieved my miscarriage, which is interesting. But do you feel like you kind of went through the same thing I don't really know. Like, for me, going into the first round was
1: exciting, and then leaving the first round, I feel like I was more confused than anything because I did not. And this is probably my own fault. I did not go into IVF understanding that it might not work. Oh. Okay. I, I literally went into it being like, okay, this is this is how it will work for us, and that's okay. I didn't. I didn't understand it still might not work. I had. I guess there would there had to have been a small piece of me, but I didn't really fully understand that. So I think leaving round one. Um, it was more confusion, but then I, I was pregnant after that round, again, for a very short period of time, but I was pregnant. So, after after the miscarriage, I don't feel like I did actually grieve. And and I think, again, that it attributes to the fact that I, I had come to understand and believe that the embryos weren't growing properly and to look on, and I'm air quoting the bright side, that my body understood how to be pregnant. It could actually, like, my uterine lining I was told my endometrium was beautiful by a doctor so obviously that <laughs> I had I had a good endometrium like I don't know like I I think I I grieve more the natural cycles than I did the IVF cycles which is super super odd um but I think it's a lot because and I'm not a religious person but I think a lot of it is because the IVF cycles I put in someone else's hands whether it being God's hands or whoever's hands whereas the natural cycles feel like they're more me like I'm it's my fault it's not I working. See. Yeah. yeah, I've never actually thought. Yeah, I've never thought of the grieving post IVF versus just grieving in general. So that's an interesting question.
0: Everybody is going to feel differently about IVF or whatever, and. I think I personally had a harder time with IVF than natural cycles but I did have there's there's a grieving process that comes with infertility in general that I don't even think a lot of us are aware and it's something I think you don't realize until you really take a look at oh maybe I have anxiety because of this or maybe I'm feeling really depressed because of infertility not because of you know x y or z it's I think we don't realize how it truly does affect us but it affects us all differently
1: oh my god and you know it makes me really really sad to think like what was life like before this started what was my life like how how did I feel every day I was probably happy I'm I'm happy now like I'm Mm -hmm. not I'm not sad all the time. Mm-hmm. I actually was saying to a friend the other day that my sadness is very like cyclical, right? Because it's week one in your cycle. You're like, well, I got my period. This sucks. I'm really sad, blah, blah, blah. But then ovulation is starting to come. I'm like, yes, this is the cycle. This is amazing. <laughs> it's gonna work. Like our cycles within themselves are so cyclical on our emotions. And actually, what's really interesting about the the grieving thing is I started seeing a fertility counselor and she's amazing. And in my first session with her, I said something along the lines of, I no, what did I say? I'm, I'm just going to kind of make, not make it up, but I more or less said something like, I feel like I'm grieving. And she kind of sternly, but very nice, I was like, no, you are grieving. Like, it's, it was, she really wanted me to understand that it is a grieving process. So I think what you're saying is, yeah, a lot of people don't understand or really realize that they're grieving. And it happens again every month for us. So it happens on a monthly basis It happens nonstop, nonstop until either we have a child, which I think then it's still always there, because it's still in the back of our heads, or we decide not to have children. And again, it's still always there, like it's Infertility is long-term grieving, which is awful. It's an awful thing to experience.
0: And I I love that you um, brought up that you are seeing a fertility counselor because I very much think, I didn't realize how important seeing a counselor during all this would be. And so I myself started seeing one and I could not recommend it more to people struggling with infertility because you just don't realize, like we mentioned before, the weight that it puts on you and the toll that it takes. And so it really does help to talk to someone about it, whether it's just a counselor or somebody you met online (laughs) or whoever, you know, it just, it's really helpful to talk about it.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing or the thing that took me the longest um, was that I said, I don't want to just go see a counselor. I wanted to see someone who understood because as much as going to a counselor, a general counselor is great. I just think that they don't, fully understand the emotions that come with infertility. So I made sure that the person that I chose understood infertility because that was really important for me. And yeah, she has been wonderful. Like, she's been amazing. So I do think it's really, really important because I remember, I would say in year like two or three, my mom was like, you should go see a counselor. Like, I think some of the things you're feeling and doing maybe aren't right. I'm like, "Mm, okay, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So then when I went to the counselor, I talked to her a lot about all of them. She's like, normal, normal. Mm -hmm. We all do that. Normal. And I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. That's good. Like, so it was just nice to know that I, the emotions and the things that I'm going through they're not great things, but they're not out of the ordinary. And I'm not being a crazy person. Like they're just normal, unfortunate emotions to go through.
0: So once you went through those two rounds, did your doctor recommend anything differently or were they just... The only
1: real thing... So round one to round two, the only thing we really changed was the addition of the DHEA for the three months prior. And then I did the same. So the two drugs that I was taking to stimulate were gonal F and Menopur. So the Gonal F dosage stayed the same, the Menopyr, they doubled it, which sucked. For anyone who's taken Menopyr, the mm-hmm. The fake name for it is Menoburn, because yeah. it burns. <laughs> it you. does. So I was like, can't you increase the other one? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm the other one. So they, they understood, or they, sorry, what I understood from them is that the, the Menopyr would help with the egg quality again as well. So between the two things, they were really hoping that the egg quality would improve, um. And then the second opinion for the potential third round, like they're, they want to do a completely different drug. They talked about different procedures that I actually wasn't even quite familiar with. So I'm just, I'm feeling very hopeful about round three because I feel like it is quite a different protocol versus uh, one and two. Um, But yeah, two, they changed up a little bit. It just, I felt like the, what they changed up would have been great if they were saying A quality was a problem and we were changing these two things to help with egg quality, again I thought, oh well perfect. This is gonna work again. Like or this one's gonna work. And then it didn't. Yeah. So so three, lucky number three, I have a feeling.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for too. <laughs> So when do you plan to do a third round? Are you just waiting to see what happens with COVID for a while? Just kind of, it's all on what you want to do or?
1: Well, and see, this is where, so originally I had kind of said February. So obviously February is coming gone. So I mean like February that just happened February. Um, But with COVID that kind of restricted that, but also, um, We live rural, again, like I said, and we live on a farm with a lot of cows. So we can only leave the farm at a specific point in time throughout the year. So there's only a couple months in a year where we can leave and what i mean by that is like in the winter we have to feed them every single day in the summer we have to go out and it's called cut our hay so like certain times of the year we literally cannot leave we're very very restricted um so when my husband did come for round one and round two he only came for two days that's all he could leave the farm so we have to pick a time of the year where there's just not much going on here so i'm thinking like november october like okay it, yeah, so it's so it's a lot different for us to, like, it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't fit into our life well, but it's definitely more challenging because of our responsibilities being on the farm. So my dad tries to come out and help, and family tried to help us out, but it's just, my husband is, like, the, the guy, the farm guy, yeah. like, he does all of it. So I'm hoping the fall of this year, but then part of me is like, oh, man, I'm going to be 34 this year, like, at what point, like, I'm getting older, at what point do I get a little bit more worried? They told me that um what's called your egg reserve so essentially how many eggs you have left in you because when you're born you have the eggs you'll have for your entire life so they've told me I'm I'm not low but I'm on like the lower side of normal and I'm so I get my head I get my head where Mm -hmm. I'm like should we do it sooner should we do it like so I'm thinking that big long answer I'm thinking like fall is what I'm what I'm thinking. And again, yes, very dependent on COVID as well.
0: So I, I'd love to know what advice would you give to someone who's going through IVF for the very first time?
1: So what I did, and I'm so glad I did it, is I, th- it was a girl I knew personally, but I just sat on the on the phone with her one day for a, probably an hour and a half. And I just asked her literally every question I could think of. She was amazing. She answered everything. She told me things I would have never thought of. I made notes. So when I went in, to our first IVF round, not a lick of me was worried or scared. Like, I knew to the T exactly what was going to happen, so I was not stressed out about any of it. So, and I think the the actual procedure, like the retrieval procedure, can be a little intimidating, right? When you're mm-hmm. researching about what it entails, you're like, they're doing what? Mm-hmm. So, again, having her walk me through it was fantastic and for anyone who's not done an IVF round yet I know the retrievals can be very different for everyone but in my first retrieval I was loopy and I guess I woke up at one and looked at my husband and said oh I thought I was in Starbucks right now (sighs) that just goes to show that like some people is just such a And I'm air quoting again, such an easy thing, right? Like it's, it's, you just, you have to let it play out the way it's supposed to. You have to try to relax as much as you can. And I think I attribute that a lot to the fact that I had this, I'm going to call her a mentor. I had this mentor that Mm -hmm. I spoke with before and I was just, I was so ready to go. So I would recommend that. And then I would just recommend trusting. I know that on an infertility journey that's probably one of the hardest things to do but just trusting that whatever's supposed to happen for you is what's going to happen whether it be good or bad unfortunately but just trusting your journey and yeah I'm five and a half years in and I try my hardest to trust but I do feel like the longer I've gone on the more I do trust because by not trusting I'm also not helping anything
0: trust and just having patience too I think patience (laughs) It's not mine either, but let me tell you, I feel like IVF taught me a lot about patience. <laughs>
1: Yep, those life lessons. I wish I would have done them in a different way sometime. <laughs>
0: I know, I know. It's like we learned a lot about ourselves and a lot about life, but then we had to go through all of that stuff to get there. So so I want to end this interview with you with a couple of questions that um, I had people on my Instagram stories just kind of ask if there were any questions about IVF or fertility journeys. So one of the questions, first of all, I guess I should ask, have you experienced anxiety anxiety with IVF and if so how did you deal with it? So unfortunately
1: I dealt with anxiety prior to IVF so or infertility in general so I think for me that was a hard thing to work through is the anxiety I was already feeling Um, again my first couple years were the hardest my first couple years is where like I would cry at the drop of a hat I didn't want to see or do anything like it was really really hard But I've learned that self care is so important and that saying no to things I don't want to do or I'm not comfortable doing is also very important. I don't go to things that I know are going to be triggering. And what triggering means in this sense is I'm not going to baby showers. There's no chance because I know I'm not going to be happy there. I know I'm going to come home and I'm going to bawl my eyes out. I just, I know what things I can and cannot do. And I'm okay with choosing to do only the things I appreciate and want to do. So, I would say my anxiety is worse now than it's ever been, but I've learned to deal with it better. So I'm actually improving it. You know what I mean? Like my anxiety is worse than when I was younger and I struggled, but I've actually learned now how to pay more attention to it and actually understand how to deal with it. Whereas when I was younger, the doctor's like, Hey, you should take this drug. Mm -hmm. No, now it's, I need to meditate. I need to take off the path. I need to read. I need to like... I've learned all of these different methods. So I I definitely think that people can look into things like EFT tapping is a great way to like learn to relax, um, diffusing essential oils in your house, meditating. And when I say meditating, if you're someone who doesn't meditate, I don't mean like literally sitting there with, in like what's called a mudra and like hanging out, like you can just lay on your bed and just like try to relax. And so I highly, highly recommend, even if you're not feeling anxious though, to do those things, Mm -hmm. because that will also improve the outcome of your cycle.
0: I agree with you, self-care for sure is like one of the best ways. What is one thing you wish you knew about IVF before starting it? Definitely the fact that it's not a guaranteed
1: baby. And I know that that sucks for some people to hear, but it's, it's definitely one of those things that I needed to hear before, because I went into round one just being like, okay, this is how we're having a baby and that's okay. It, it's still hopefully going to be how we have a baby, but yeah, I didn't understand that it wasn't a for sure. So that that that's the hard truth that I would say that I wish I would have known before is that there's just there is a possibility still and the doctors are gonna do everything that they can. And
0: I just again have to let Jesus take the wheel and let things play out the way that they're supposed to another question someone had was what symptoms did you have after your embryo transfer i don't know if they're asking about a transfer that didn't take or for uh the one that did but either way were there did you have similar symptoms between both maybe that would be more helpful for them
1: so, what's actually a little bit ironic about that question is I was just planning out my social media for the week, and one of my posts was talking about the fact that infertility has made me more aware of my body. So, every little twinge and tweak and movement and cramp, you're like, oh my God, that's implanting. Yes, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you go through infertility, you recognize all of these little things in your body now. So, round one, I definitely found after the transfer um, a pulling sensation, which they talk a lot about that can happen during implantation. So, I felt a pulling sensation. Now, for those who don't actually know how transfer works, it's literally for a woman kind of like getting a pap smear. Like, that's really all it is. You kind of get a pap. They obviously put an embryo into you, but very, very straightforward. So, some people do cramp-ish after they get the pap, but that's more related to what they're doing. But post-transfer and after actually leaving the doctor, yeah, I felt some pulling sensations. Um, I had a little bit of spotting leading up to, so that had me a little bit anxious because I was like oh my god I don't like this is how my periods typically start here we go again so I got in my head a little bit but the biggest one for me was a pulling sensation round two I didn't have any sensations so I was not shocked when it was negative because I didn't have I didn't really have much showing or telling me that there was a possibility and I know some people don't feel anything I get that but I think because round one I had felt something I had gotten in my head saying round two didn't work and I yeah I felt nothing the second go around
0: I agree with you I think with the transfer where it didn't take, you think everything is a symptom and then come to find out it's really not. And I, I got a little bit of cramping after the first embryo transfer, um, but the one that was positive, I had some wild dreams. <laughs> so that's how I knew I was pregnant. Oh my gosh, just the most vivid, colorful, wild dreams. And that's what made me realize <laughs> that I was pregnant. It was wacky. It was like, I, I would wake up every everyone, I was like, what was that? The transfer is on, honestly so easy, so slick. Like, I remember after I got the transfer, being like, that's it? Oh, I know, right? And then you just kind of lay there, and then you go home. <laughs> the coolest part
1: for me about getting the transfer is the, I don't know how to actually say the term, but it's P-U-P-O, pregnant until proven otherwise. Yeah. So you leave the clinic, and you're like, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. I am pregnant. <laughs> like, yeah. So that's a really cool thing. The transfer is such, well, the whole the whole IVF thing is such a, wow. Like yeah. whoever decided that's how they were going to try to help someone have a baby, they were crazy. You know what I mean? Like doing yeah. the things that they did to try to figure it out. But unbelievable, the entire procedure. It's actually quite interesting to learn about it and go it through is. it because it's, it's really cool.
0: Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really glad that you wanted to share your story. I feel like it's going to be really helpful for anyone listening. I think that... It's helpful for people to share their stories because even if your story isn't identical they might be able to relate to something that you went through and be like oh okay it wasn't just me I'm not alone. I agree well thank you for having me I've definitely
1: become more and more comfortable over the years telling my story because I do believe wholeheartedly that people hearing my story like you said whether they can relate 100% or not they can take things from it they can learn from it they can do whatever they need to from what I'm saying, or just feel, yeah, that you're not alone. Like, you're not you're not living this life that no one else understands, find the people who understand and hold on to them tight, because that will be a big part of helping you through the journey as well.
0: Well, you guys, it's been great having Kelly on here. I love it when women can open up, share their story, break the stigma about infertility and miscarriage and allow other people going through similar journeys to feel a little bit less alone. So thank you again, Kelly, for coming on here today. And if you would like to be included in a future episode of Infertile Millennial, then make sure to email me at emily at and I will see you guys in the next episode.